What's up, everybody? It's Dan Binder Boneyard coming at you from the office. It is a cold and blustery day in Central Oregon. Um, it, uh, yeah, you'll probably hear the sign that's hanging off the building banging around out there. Um, it's real windy. So um, you'll probably also hear the heater blowing around back there, too, because I'm cold. And we already covered that in <laughs> previous episodes that I'm cold. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. I appreciate it very much. Um, been getting a lot of good feedback on the social medias, like always. I uh, really enjoy it. People telling me that they listen and, you know, giving me uh, input and whatnot. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I just want to reiterate that I don't, um, I don't do any show prep. <laughs> I don't make notes. I don't uh, write anything down. I don't do any research. I say stuff and go from there. So, uh, you know, yeah, last week I said what this week's topic was going to be. But that's the extent of my prep. So if I miss something, if I say something that's not 100% accurate, if uh, I leave out something, uh, I'm sorry. Um, maybe better prep would uh, lead to a better show. But um, <laughs> you know, some people like the fact that... Uh, I am real and you know this is straight from the hip so uh, you know we're just gonna keep going that way so uh, yeah a little less prepared you know maybe if I had a guest or a co-host or something I might prep a little bit more but uh, but no for now we're just gonna fly by the seat of our pants so um, but anyway thank you everybody for everything I uh, really appreciate it. We are going to touch on suspension today and not um, your daily driver stock suspension. We're going to talk about hardcore, off-road, heavy-duty, non-conventional suspension. So if uh, you're not into that, uh, you just might be kind of bored but you also might learn something. So again, a lot of this is my opinion. This is how I feel. Uh, it's going to probably stir up some drama with people that feel a different way, but just in my experience and what I've done, this is what I have discovered. Um, some of it works good on paper and not real good in real life. Uh, other stuff works great in real life and you wouldn't imagine that it would. But anyway, um, this is all based on the, um, well, what stems from the King of the Hammers trip that we went on a few weeks ago, um, Johnson Valley, California. It is big rock trails. Uh, big rock, you know, like size of refrigerators 
and you're just pretty much going across the tops of them. So deep holes, um, dusty rocks, they're big. You know, you do get stuck. Sometimes you got to stack rocks. It's a challenge to find rocks small enough that you can throw in the hole um, to get where you need to go. So um, some of you guys in the Midwest, uh, you might not have anything like this, but you might still be able to glean some info from from it. But um, the number one thing when you're into this kind of, of off-roading is flexibility. You want as much wheel travel as possible so that your tires can contact as much material as they can so that you can be propelled forward or backwards or or keep your undercarriage off of stuff. Um, the underside of my Scout looks like it went through a rock crusher like it's there isn't a square inch of the bottom of my scout that's not scarred up and gouged um, even the transfer case which is tucked way up high has a ding in the pan and that's I don't have a skid plate um, probably should um, but uh, you know I'll get there when I get there so um, so to have flexible suspension it requires long leafs if if you're going to stay leaf sprung that's we're probably going to talk mostly about leafs today but uh, you've got to have long springs uh, to get the most amount of flex so you know stock scouts had 52 inch springs in the back and uh, like 42s or something I'm not sure about the front springs because I've never bothered to measure but they're pretty short they're like 42 or 44 um, so that's why you get a lot of flex out of the rear end and not as much out of the front um, I'm not sure why they went that route if it was just packaging or um, you know clearance of, of things up there but uh, one of the first things that we do when we're putting together a leaf sprung off-roader that is you know planning on seeing a lot of that stuff is uh the front springs get changed out to something else uh, a lot of times we use the 52 inch gm springs that are the rear springs from chevy pickups <clears throat> uh, i know some guys have used scout rear scout springs in the front um which you could do that too um the other thing that I did on a few is you use a 56 inch rear spring because it has an offset center pin. So then you position the spring in such a way that the short side of the spring is forward so that your wheels still ends up in the arch correctly, but then you've got longer spring that comes down the frame behind it. So, um, you know, we usually pick Chevy Springs just because they're the most common. You could junkyard those. That's when we're building these things in the old days. It was all about junkyard parts. Um, none of us had the money to have brand new, you know, Alcans built or or Devers or whoever you know the the good spring manufacturers are. So we were always junkyarding parts. So 
the 63 inch Chevy Springs, they came on the rear ends of some one tons and, and other suburbans and stuff. They, um, 63 inch GMs are kind of the gold standard for long travel leaf springs. And they almost always end up in the rear end of, of whatever you're building. Um, you don't want 63s in the front because they just, they're too long. They stick out and you wouldn't be able to have, um, you know, you'd have these big, the frame would stick out so far and you'd have these fangs hanging down. And so, so 63s, you don't ever want to run in the front, but you put those in the back, they, they flex a ton, uh, especially when you only have like two leaves in them. <laughs> so they move a lot. Uh, so yeah, flexibility is key on a, building a good hardcore off-road setup. Um, you know, the there's some debate about spring over and spring under. And spring under is really good for going fast in the desert and things like that. Um, spring under fights the axle wrap. It actually transfers more of the horsepower to the ground instead of twisting up into an S. Uh, it, it, spring under does good for that. Um, it helps with center of gravity, kind of keeps that lower. Uh, the downside is is that you need more room for up travel, uh, so they end up being. If you're going to run a custom spring under setup, you got to have a lot of arch in your spring. So, if you're going to have a lot of arch, but you don't want it to be stiff, now you're going to have a pack that has 18 leaves in it. So it's going to be real thick. So it's going to hang down even farther. So to offset that ground clearance loss, you either have to run like 40 inch tires or just be okay with bashing it into stuff. Uh, so going fast in the desert, not as big of a deal. Uh, in the rocks and, you know, deep rutted mud trails and stuff, you don't want that stuff hanging down. You want clearance. You want to be up. You know, the less to hang down and catch on a rock, the better. So, you know, a good... Uh, proof of that is all these guys running portal boxes now. There, there's a big aftermarket push to run um, gear reduction portal boxes because it drops the wheels eight inches and and leaves the you know it raises everything up pretty much uh, to for more ground clearance. So the you know spring over it. it takes those springs and puts them above the axle tube and gets you less stuff to hang down. Um, you know, if all you've got to worry about is catching the differential housing, um, you know, that's good. Cause a lot of these spring under setups, the springs hang down as low as the diff. So now not only do you have the diff in the center to worry about, but you also have the leaf packs hanging down that you're going to catch on stuff. Or, you know, they'll skid over the top of rocks or whatever. But you, it, my, my uh, preference and my school is the less to hang down, the better. Uh, I went as far on my 63, the, my 63 Scout 80. Uh, I did not even have U-bolts. I made plates that welded to the tube that were on the top of the tube. And it sandwiched the leaf spring with just regular bolts. So 
I didn't even have U-bolts hanging down. It was just completely smooth tube and then the differential. So, uh, you know, you can see that in the link setups, these guys with their suspension, you know, with coilovers and stuff, everything is above, you know, the axle tube. Um, the trailing arms come in like on the same plane as the tube, but you know, the upper links are always above. It's, um, you know, it's all about ground clearance. The less that you can hang up on, the better. Uh, and then, so same goes for the front. Really want to be sprung over if you can, or, you know, if you do stay spring under, just be ready to drag on everything. Um, you know, the steering, want that high steer, definitely got to have high steer, crossover steering, um, and or, or full hydraulic. I know a lot of the dedicated off-roaders run full hydraulic so that you don't have to worry about um, tie rod and a drag link. You just got a couple of hydraulic hoses running down there, and then you got a nice guard for your, um, your double-ended ram, and you're golden. Um, but... Now, as far as the suspension side of it goes, again, like I said, I personally like sprung over and I like really long leaf springs. The next thing that you want to consider in is uh, bump stops. You do not want to negatively arch the springs regularly. Uh, if anything, you want them to stop at flat but you don't want them to go into a re reverse arch because the more times you reverse arch your springs, the weaker they get to the point where they just stay reversed. And we've seen that uh, if anybody's ever had an old international truck or known somebody with an old international truck, you'll see sometimes the front springs will be permanently arched the wrong way. Uh, and it's from, you know, a big winch bumper and carrying around a 392 and it being a hard used work truck, the springs just flatten out and then go backwards and they don't even hold the truck up anymore. They're just kind of, they're just there. So it's real important to have your bump stop set to the spot where you, the springs end up being completely flat. Um, that's, that's real important for longevity you know, and if you're tricky and you have some dollars to spend, you can get like the hydraulic bump stops so that they actually absorb the last two inches of travel uh, and help soften that jolt of, of a hard bottoming out. Um, I just use rubber ones that have some space in them so that they collapse down when they, uh, you know, they're kind of progressive still. But, um, yeah, so that's why it's real important to have flexible springs that go flex down. It's all about down travel when you're, um, when you're doing this stuff, you, you don't want a ton of up. You want the truck to be set so that it's low slung at static height. Uh, you want to be able to run your you know, your 40s or your 39.5s or whatever you're running for tires to get the clearance to keep everything high off the ground from the bottom. But you don't want the truck to be 18 feet in the air. So you need, you want it to be at the bottom of its, 
you know, to be at static height, you want it to be fairly low. So that when you do go over rough terrain, the tire actually drops down into the hole or when you climb, you know, when your driver's side tire climbs up a big rock, you want the passenger tire to be able to droop down and keep that contact with the ground. You don't want, you know, you're not, how do I say this? You can't force the tire to go up and the body to stay level. Uh, it just, it doesn't seem to work like that um, in a budget, and then, you know, leaf sprung budget type scenario you're you're better off getting the passenger side to droop down than you are to get the driver's side to come up uh, i mean you could set it up to do that but like i said the body is going to be four feet higher than the tires so that the tires have somewhere to go when they go up and that doesn't work when you're off-road because you, you be, your center of gravity ends up being so high that you just tumble down anything that's remotely steep. Uh, you, you know, the whole point is being low slung, good center of gravity, but yet large tires to keep everything up out of danger. Um, and then same with that for going fast off road, you, you valve your shocks in such a way that the tires droop out real fast. And then the shocks do all the controlling when the tires come back up to take up that that slag you know when you're hitting whoops or something at, at a rate of speed you want the shocks to control the wheel movement coming back up um, you want the springs forcing the tires to the ground that way you keep power and control on the ground all the time but you want the shocks to control the movement coming back up so like the travel all that I'm building, I've got 14 inch travel coilovers. I'm probably going to have, um, I don't know the way I'm going to set it up, probably 20 inches of wheel travel. So when it's sitting static at ride height, there's only going to be about four inches of up travel and then the rest will all be down so that when it hits, when I go over a jump or a bump, the tires drop out real fast. And then all 14 inches of shock travel is valved to absorb the incoming impact uh, instead of, you know, having it set like at seven inches. And then it has to be valved for seven inches of up travel and 14 inches of travel. Like it's, it's hard to describe and I'm probably doing a terrible job of it. Um, but in modern modern off-roading and racing the standard has been set that you want to be low you want the suspension to be in the upper level upper ranges of travel and that everything happens on the down travel and the return trip back that's that's kind of how uh, everything is set up that's the reason why these off-road trucks are getting so fast you know you see a trophy truck with 36 inches of wheel travel but yet you stand next to it and you can see the roof the top of the roof you know it's six feet off the ground like it's they're so low anymore 
but yet they're running 40 inch tires and and 36 inches of wheel travel so it's uh you, you kind of keep that in mind like i said you run big tires to keep everything high up off the ground but then minimal up travel at static height to keep the truck low and stable that's just that's the the hot ticket that's the combination that seems to work and that seems to work for me um wheeling with jeff from ih parts uh the it, the hammers it showed me some very black and white differences between our systems um he's running a traveler frame under his 51 pickup i'm also running a traveler he is running um, Skyjacker 63s, and I'm not sure what he has in the front, but they're pretty long as well. But they're spring under. I am running stock Scout Springs sprung over. And he's running 40s, and I am running 36s. And we both went up and down some obstacles in completely different fashions and some of it had to do with clearance and the way we dragged across certain obstacles where he came down things with his springs dragging on rocks um, and the tire not touching anything it was in the air and the spring was on a rock and he so that tire had no control no brakes no nothing just floating in the air so he was at the mercy of gravity skidding down that rock and i came down the same obstacle with all my tires on the ground because i had a spring over and i had that extra four inches of space or three inches or whatever it was and my tire touched the whole way so uh i you know that was one instance where having a little more clearance underneath the truck allowed for the tires to stay in contact with the with the ground and other rocks uh, jeff is also shackle reversed which you know means that the front shackles are moved rearward under so they're kind of like under where your feet would be instead of out in front of the truck so when the front axle when the front suspension compresses the axle moves rearward. This is an old trick for going fast in the desert and for some guys prefer that ride on the highway because every time you hit a bump, the axle travels rearward. Um, it kind of absorbs the impact a little bit um, and, and takes, in, takes in some of the impact versus shackle forward when you hit something the axle is trying to travel forward while it's hitting the obstacle so it's kind of like a double jolt but um when you're off-roading my opinion and this is where people get wound up i prefer shackle forward when you're rock crawling and doing hard obstacles because you need tire 
pressure. You need gravitational force for the tire to grip whatever you're trying to climb. And if every time your front tire hits an obstacle, it's trying to move backwards out of the way, you're not going to get the force. You're not going to get the ground force to make that climb. And so what you're doing is you're relying on your rear tires driving forward to supply the needed force for the front tires to grip and climb. That might work most of the time, but when you're climbing a steep ledge or, or you know, waterfall or something like that, where your front tires need to be forced to climb and your rear tires don't have the purchase to push you forwards. I believe that's where that style of suspension system falls short. Um, because I don't have a lot of trouble climbing um, with my setup. Jeff, his front locker wasn't working when he was out there, so he had difficulty climbing obstacles as well. Or he had difficulty climbing obstacles, but he also didn't have front wheel, all of the front wheel drive. You know, he just had an open diff in the front, essentially. So it's hard to say how he would have done on some of the obstacles with a locked front end. Um, but the other thing is descending, you coming down stuff. You drop off of a ledge, your front tires hit the ground, and they fold back. They roll in. You know, it can be three, four inches of, of rearward motion sometimes. And so now your, your wheelbase just got four inches shorter. And if you're coming down a steep ledge or drop off, you need every inch of wheelbase you can get, in my opinion. So... Uh, there's a video of him coming down uh, a drop, and he actually carries the rear tires, uh, like kind of a little bit of a nose stand a little bit, and then it settles back down, and he continues the drop. And I come down the exact same drop right after him, and I do not carry a tire. Um, my, my descent was a little bit more controlled, and you know all the tires stayed on their ground all the time. I don't know if that's the shackle reversal or if that was line placement. Maybe he had a rock under a tire and I didn't. Uh, I, you know, I watched the video several times and it looks like we take a very similar line, but somehow he carries the rear end and, and I don't. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's hard to say what, what the factor is, but I do know that you know, there were differences in our suspension systems and how we came down the trail and went up the trail uh, differed as well. So, yeah. But anyways, as far as the systems go, um, you know, shock valving goes a long ways. Uh, white body, ranchos, pro comps, whatever, don't even count on those. Don't expect them to last at all bare bare minimum air our bilsteins get some you know some 5100s that are valved and if you go on the bilstein website you can actually choose some different valving 
um, based on the length that you need. So bare minimum, get some Bilsteins, uh, but really some like two inch body sh uh, kings or foxes valved to what you need uh, would be ideal. Two and a half is kind of uh, like that. I'm not gonna say bare minimum. That's kind of middle of the road. No, nobody needs three inches unless uh, you're running coilovers or something. But uh, two and a halfs are kind of the race shock of choice. But you can still get a lot done with two inchers, um, especially on a crawler with leaf springs. Um, some two inch foxes that are valved to what you need, um, and that's that's a process. You know, you can work with them on getting exactly what you need. A lot of the baselines can be done with just how much you weigh, what your unsprung weight is, what your wheel travel is, shock angle, that kind of stuff. They can actually tune it pretty well out of the box, and then you just have to fine tune. You know, send them some videos of your truck doing some stuff, and they can revalve uh, based on what they think you need. Uh, you can get real fancy and set up a shock tuning appointment with them out in the desert and they'll they'll tune on site um, depending on timing and how much money you have. Um, I know there were a bunch of people doing shock tuning at the hammers so yeah it, uh, it, it can be done and, and you know it's amazing how well a good shock can make bad springs react. Um, you know, good shocks go a long ways, and I I really tell people to to not skimp on the shocks. You know, it's it's almost better to put together a custom suspension kit with the springs that you like, and then whatever shock manufacturer is is the one you want to go with, and you know various components and hardware because in the end that's how you're going to get the best possible sh uh, suspension package. So. Yeah, um, so just to kind of recap, long, flexible springs sprung over. Uh, oh, I didn't touch on shackles. Real quick, uh, longer shackles help the springs move more. Short shackles are kind of a tether. They're just, um, they're not, you know, it's all about length and angles. And so longer shackles help those long springs move. They can swing back and forth farther. I mean, yeah, there's a, a limit to, you don't want like two foot long shackles, but you know, the factory four inch shackles uh, can be benefited by some fives for sure. Um, I think a lot of what, I think I'm running fives on the black scout, but my 63, I had six inch shackles and those long 56s and, and, uh, and they flexed a ton. They moved a lot. So that's, uh, that's another helpful thing. Um, so, you know, long spring sprung over a uh, little bit longer shackle, real good shocks, um, everything in, you know, good working order. That'll go a long ways towards, uh, having a real capable, uh, real capable off-road machine. The one uh, downside that people like to point out about shackle forward versus shackle reversal is that you will bend a spring. You will bend a main leaf on a shackle forward setup if you hit something that doesn't move or you don't climb it. You can bend a main leaf. I personally have never bent a main leaf. Um, 
I don't know if it's driving style or what I do, but I have never ruined a front spring because of hitting something. Um, you know, especially if you're using like a two and a half inch wide GM spring, they're even more durable. Uh, so, you know, keep that in mind, but people do say that you bend main leaves, uh, you know, with that shackle forward setup. But I personally would take that risk over the way that shackle reversal handles and performs. But that again, my opinion, don't kill me. Um, so anyways, this podcast has run long. So uh, hopefully you guys got some information out of it. Hopefully you uh, enjoy it. And uh, yeah, until next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. <laughs>